I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Please have your Bible ready. The first book in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 6. We welcome you to this website and this recording. We are together to honor God, to remember Jesus Christ, and to attend carefully to the writings the Holy Spirit gave that we are privileged to have access to in our Bibles. This summer, we have seen and heard a lot of weather news about flooding here in the valley earlier this summer. Colorado had a major flood event not long ago. New York City, parts of Europe have experienced devastating floods. You've seen news videos from China. None of these compare to what the Holy Spirit recorded for our learning in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, and creeping things, and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh 
in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. That's the reading of Genesis chapter 6. This narrative in respect to time is obviously after Adam and Eve and before the time of Abraham. And you can tell right away God was upset. He was grieved, having before his righteous eyes the wickedness of man that was great in the earth. What started with Adam and Eve continued and became widespread. God not only saw the deeds, he saw the evil thoughts of the people behind the deeds. And it was not like people were making occasional mistakes and exhibiting some common imperfections. Not at all. Verse 5 says, only evil continually. Verse 6 says, the Lord was sorry that he had made man, and it grieved him to his heart. That's how bad it was. But there was an exception. There was this man, Noah, and it says on the same page where it says there was evil and widespread sin against God that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God saw wickedness everywhere, and most human beings were living in sin. But Noah looked to God. He saw grace, and God and Noah walked with each other. It could be said like this, God saw good in Noah, and Noah saw grace in God. There was a connection. Then from that grace, God imparted guidance with a promise of salvation to Noah. It is worth observing God intended destruction against the wicked. Noah's job was construction for the salvation of the righteous. After chapter 6 and over through chapter 9, what is clear in that narrative is God's grace was long-suffering, protective of the righteous, while giving opportunity to the lost through the preaching of Noah. After the flood, there was peace and safety for Noah and his family until within the saved family, sin emerged again. I'll refer to that later. That's the main story. In abbreviated format, of course, Noah, God, and the flood in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. Now, this next part of our study is very important. We must not neglect what the story tells us about God. I want to mention three things, then we'll get back to Noah three things about God. One, 
Genesis 6 testifies to what sin does to God. In one word, grief. He is offended when his will is ignored. He is hurt, displeased. In Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6, look at the words sorrow and grief. That's what sin does to God. And this should cause me to take a consistently serious view of sin, believing that when I disobey God, not only do I incur guilt, I offend my maker. I disappoint my Father in heaven. Throughout the Old Testament, this is the uniform truth about sin's impact in the heart of God. It was so bad in the days of Noah, the Lord actually said he was sorry that he had made man. It will be good for me and good for you to never forget or minimize how sin hurts God. And ideally, the impact of sin on God should be the same for us, his children. We should feel about sin as God feels about sin. In the study of biblical narratives and biographies, there is always a prominent thread of truth about God that we cannot neglect. Secondly, I want us to read in Genesis 8, verses 20 through 22. Then Noah built an ark to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. If you take notes in your Bible, it might be wise to write this word alongside this passage, grace. God could have ended the human race. Noah and his family had not earned a reward. Rather, they had only accepted God's offer by their obedient faith. God did what he didn't have to do from his perfect heart of love and grace. From that, the Savior and the gospel came so that we can escape the world of sin and take refuge in God's grace now and heaven after a while. Point number three about God. This time I need to read from chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth 
according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, and every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life, and those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Is there a man, is there a group of scientists, is there some recently developed computer that can do what God did? I hope each of us understand well, God can use what he made as instruments of his will. He has power humans cannot duplicate, cannot comprehend, cannot match. Turn over to Psalms 107 and find verses 33 to 43. The 107th Psalm, verses 33 to 43. He turned rivers into a desert flowing springs into thirsty ground and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yield a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly, and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice. But all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. This is all about what God can do. In all my thinking about God, I must never forget or downplay the power of the Almighty God, illustrated in the flood event in Genesis and apparent all through the text of Scripture. So, Already, we are able to see how valuable these Old Testament narratives are, enriching our knowledge of the God we serve. Sin offends God, makes him sorry. Yet by grace, he made an offer of mercy to the family of Noah and through the preaching of Noah to the world. Throughout the whole episode, the vast and perfect power of God is displayed to enrich and remind us of who he is, and keep that knowledge in our hearts. But now for the rest of our time together, I want to take us to Noah to see what this story says to us today. There are characteristic traits we could list as we go through the story, just as a starting place about Noah. Faith, according to Hebrews eleven seven. He was willing to be a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2, verse 5. His faith produced obedience, Genesis 6, 22. He recognized the favor, the grace of God, Genesis 6, verse 8. He was counted a righteous man based on his active faith, Genesis 6, verse 9. In these respects, before and during the flood, Noah 
is a good example for us to learn how we should respond to God and the characteristics that develop in us when we respond to God. But I'm anxious to take all we have read and talked about and make it personal and practical for us through these points of learning. Noah teaches us what it means to be moved by faith. Hebrews 11:7 says Noah was warned by God concerning events yet unseen. The New King James in Hebrews 11:7 says moved with godly fear. He believed what God said and that faith created in Noah motion, action, obedience to God with that strong component of reverence, godly fear. You see, faith is not just something you agree with or something you're willing to verbalize or something that just makes you feel better in some generic emotion. The kind of faith we are seeing in this Genesis narrative is listening to God, believing he knows what he's talking about, and then acting as he directs. Obedience, moving with godly fear. If you are inactive, disobedient, that isn't the faith of Hebrews 11. Read about Noah, Abraham, Moses, and the others, and you'll learn that believers in God obey God. It is that simple. Furthermore, Noah teaches us what it means to be righteous. It is not a label, a title, a status you earned by your performance that puts God in debt to you. Genesis 6, 9 says Noah was righteous, and if we want to know what that means, we just keep reading. To be righteous means, as we have already discussed, to listen to God, believe he is right, and then follow through with whatever action he directs. Righteousness is not some magical, otherworldly state that you were put into and kept apart from your choice to respond to God. Through Jesus Christ, though we have sinned, we can respond to God and be right in our life, and as long as we continue to respond to God and grow up in Christ, we are reckoned to be righteous, so the book of Romans teaches. Noah teaches us what it means to wait. There is that figure of 120 years in Genesis 6 verse 3, and along with that the age of Noah. Scholars and Bible chronologists play with those figures and do the math in different ways. We are certain of this. Noah had to build and wait, and work, and hope a long time. It wasn't that God appeared to him on Monday and said, Now, Noah, I need this turnkey project with a close deadline. Uh, you get the plans today, and I want this to be done by Friday at noon. No. Have you ever thought about this reality? God's time perspective is very different from our view of time. Generally speaking, we want things right now, and we complain about waiting. We have fast food and high-speed internet, one-day surgery, and rapid transportation. We are a breakneck people always in a hurry. God is calm and patient, not in a hurry, in his time. 
Christ didn't show up on the earth right after Eve sinned. God can use time to discipline us, to nourish us gradually, and maybe to test us. Noah, by faith, was willing to wait. He saw favor in the eyes of the Lord, not an instant fix. Noah's story helps us understand the awful impact of sin to society. Genesis 6.12 We ought to have this concern, this awareness. You can be around sinners and sin and begin to get used to it and then ignore it and then tolerate it and then play around with it and then jump into it. One of our great dangers is becoming desensitized to sin. We've seen it and heard about it so much, it doesn't matter much anymore. If we will get our head into the book, God's Word, we can sharpen our awareness of the ruin and horror of sin. And then this, Noah, after the flood, helps us see the ruin of alcohol. Genesis 9.21 Based on everything I've read in the Bible about intoxicating drink, I cannot exonerate Noah, especially given the circumstances described in Genesis 9.21. Remember, I mentioned earlier the imperfections of Bible characters honestly reported by the inspired writers. I mentioned that, I think, last week when we were speaking of Hezekiah. And we know in our contemporary world, everything can be going in the right direction. Then, with alcohol consumption and an absence of discipline and repentance, a family can be ruined. A church can be torn apart. Innocent people can be killed. Children can be crushed and made vulnerable. There may be someone listening, and you have this problem. Nobody knows. We urge you to repent. Seek help from God's people and start the process of restoring your mind and your body to good use. I have one more point for thought, and then I'll conclude. For study purposes, let us assume that Noah had a neighbor named Job. Noah tells Job about the coming flood and urges Job to repent. Job becomes partly convinced that there will be a flood. He believes in God. He says he understands there's a widespread practice of sin all around us, and the urgent need is to repent. But as Job watches Noah build the ark, Job has this thought, if Noah can build an ark, I can build my own personal safety vessel. So Job builds his own vessel according to his own wisdom, his own desires, his own plan, just for him and his family. The waters come down and begin to arise, and Joe waves at Noah and loads his family in his own boat that wasn't God's plan. My question for you is, if this had happened, do you think Joe's boat would float and save them? My answer is no. God didn't tell everybody to build their own boat. In fact, God made a covenant with Noah and gave Noah the plans 
and gave Noah the content of his preaching of righteousness. Likewise, people today will often express their lack of interest in God's plan and God's church. They want their own plan, their own church, and the problem is God gave the new covenant of Jesus Christ for all of us, and there is no other way. Thank you for listening.